Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayigusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayers that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again and thank you for listening. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about the question of whether a Christian can or cannot lose their salvation. Um, I'm on Facebook, and I don't know if you are, but um, on Facebook, I am a part of a number of different Christian social groups, right? Including groups that are for pastors and ministry leaders. And uh, sometimes these groups can be really good places to interact and exchange ministry ideas and biblical insights. And then other times, and if you've been on Facebook, you know this, other times these Facebook or social media groups can be like a hot den of Pharisees where people say and share some scary and alarming things about what they and their churches believe. Uh, recently, there was a conversation in one of these groups that generated a very heated debate. It was on the question of whether a Christian can lose their salvation or not. Actually, someone shared a video of a very popular pastor who was making the claim that a Christian can lose their salvation. And what really bothered me um, about this particular video that was shared on this particular day was that the pastor in question, and this pastor has, I mean, hundreds of thousands of followers, um, this pastor was not making his case from any one passage of scripture. Rather, he was simply arguing based on what he had observed from the sinful habits and lack of church attendance in some people's lives. And, you know, I appreciated the response of many people in the comment section who actually challenged his assertion with some biblically based responses. And I was also shocked by how many so-called Christians simply responded by saying, well, he's the Lord's anointed, so don't question him. Now, in fairness to this preacher, he is not the first person or the only person to teach this kind of belief that one can lose their salvation. There's a whole system of belief out there called Arminianism. And in Arminianism, they basically emphasize the responsibility of man in securing his own salvation over the sovereignty of God. So Arminianism basically teaches that in order to stay saved and to make it to heaven, you have to hold on tightly to your faith and properly maintain your salvation by doing good works and good deeds. Now, I got to be honest, um, as a young Christian in the early years of my life, I, I, I believed this and I used to be terrified, just scared to death because of this belief. 
Uh, many of you don't know me or know my background, but let's just say that as a teenager, uh, me and Trouble were best friends. And so I was constantly getting in trouble in school with my friends in my neighborhood. And so as a Christian, I lived in a perpetual constant fear that if Jesus Christ came back on the wrong day that I was getting in trouble, I would be damned to hell for all eternity because I didn't hold on tightly to my faith. And so let me clarify my biblical conviction up front before we dive into this topic, because I have some side comments that I want to make about those people and preachers who try to teach you that a Christian can lose their salvation. In all my years of studying in, in seminary and studying the scriptures and, and in my preparation of weekly preaching over the last uh, a little over a decade, um, I have arrived at two unwavering convictions. Number one is this, that a follower of Jesus Christ cannot lose his or her salvation and is eternally secure in Christ. And number two, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the believer's eternal security, the Christian's eternal security depends not on our power to hold on to God, but his power to hold on to us. And, and that's my biblical conviction. Now, the side comment that I wanted to make about these teachers and these preachers who tell you you can lose your salvation is this. Listen, if it was possible to lose our salvation, we would all lose our salvation. Like, like if my eternal security was dependent on my ability or your ability to maintain, uh, to do the right things by God every minute of every hour of every day, then listen, heaven would be completely empty because no Christian, even the most righteous of pastors, lives 24-7 the perfect life that God demands of us and that Jesus Christ lived on our behalf. We are saved by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And that's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 ends by saying, this is not from yourselves. Like you can't take credit for salvation. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done, all right, so that no one can boast. Perhaps you have never thought about this, but when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth, God did not send Jesus just to come and pay the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. But in addition to that, God also sent Jesus Christ to atone for our life by living on our behalf the life of perfection we could never live. And it's for this reason that the Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse 24, that Jesus Christ is going to be able to keep you from stumbling and will present you blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Notice that there is nothing in that passage that speaks of the work that you did to earn your salvation into heaven other than the fact that you simply trusted in Christ. It is all Jesus. Having said all that, I want to spend the rest of our time together in this podcast looking at one of the most, one of the more difficult passages in the New Testament, and it's in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8. And this passage is a troublesome passage because it seems to be saying that genuine Christians can indeed lose their salvation. And so we need to clarify that up front. So let's dig into it together because uh, this passage is also one of the passages that the, these teachers will try to use to derail your faith to make you think that you might lose your salvation. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8. Here's what it says. It is impossible 
For those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of God, of the word of God, and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in the danger of being cursed. It, or in the end, it will be burned. Okay, so um, once again, at first glance, it would appear as if this passage is implying that you can lose your salvation. But listen, you would only arrive at that conclusion if you simply read this passage and moved on without asking several hard questions. In fact, if we were to take this passage in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8, uh, and sum it up into one central idea, one big idea, here's what it would be. It is impossible, the central idea is this, it is impossible for true believers in Christ to drift away from Christ, deny Christ, and be lost. Let me say that again. The central idea from this passage is this, that it is impossible for true believers in Christ to drift away from Christ, deny Christ, and be lost. And that big idea becomes even more clear when we ask and answer three important questions. Number one, when does salvation become impossible for a person? Number two, was a person who fell away from their faith truly saved in the first place? And number three, what does it mean for us today? So let's tackle those three questions. And, and just real, let me say this. The reason why we're teaching on this topic is really three reasons. Number one is that we want, we believe that there are many pastors we've interacted with who don't know whether they are eternally secure or not. So we want to teach you biblically why um, you are eternally secure in Christ. The second reason is that you may very well have people in your congregation who are wondering whether they are eternally secure. And then the third reason is because what you believe about your eternal security will radically impact the way you preach and teach your congregation. So these are very important questions for us to deal with. The first question being, when does salvation become impossible for a person? Paul actually answers this question in, the Apostle Paul answers this question in verse 4 and 5. And he says, it is impossible for those who've been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the coming age to be brought back to repentance. So this passage is not describing a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. That's the big mistake, people. This is not referring to a true believer. Rather, this passage is describing a person who, who comes to church and is inspired by the Bible teaching and maybe perhaps actually even learn something new. It's describing a person who may have even taken communion regularly in church. It's describing a person who, who perhaps even heard the voice of the Holy Spirit pulling at their hearts. Maybe they even witnessed a, a miracle or a powerful voice of God. But at the end of all of those powerful experiences, they basically say, you know what? That's great. Um, I, I, I'm happy for you people, but this Jesus thing is not for me. That's who Hebrews chap this chapter is referring to in Hebrews. It's these kinds of people that 1 John 2.9 says, they went out from us, 
but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belong to us. The Apostle John is making the point that it's possible to be so integrated into the church, but you don't really belong to Christ. In fact, people like this are like Judas Iscariot, right? Because Judas not only betrayed Jesus, but he, like, like Judas literally, he so closely associated with Jesus and the disciples, but never actually believed in Jesus. Like, like Judas was enlightened in his walk with Christ in that he was exposed to truth. He tasted the heavenly gift. He shared in the Holy Spirit. He was part of the people that Jesus sent out two by two, right? He tasted the goodness of the word of God when he heard Jesus Christ himself preach. Yet Judas never actually believed in Jesus. That's the kind of person that this passage in Hebrews is referring to. Now, to be clear, the reason why salvation is impossible for people like this is not because of some terrible sin in their life. We all have terrible sin in our lives, and that's what Jesus Christ died for. No, the reason why salvation is impossible for people like this is because they have made a conscious, unrepentant denial of the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. They have essentially committed what is known as the unpardonable sin, which is talked about in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 to 32. So the unpardonable sin is when someone shuts down or rejects the invitation of the Holy Spirit's effort to win them the faith in Christ. At that point, there's nothing left to you but condemnation because you rejected the only person who could actually save you. So now is the time to ask ourselves some honest, hard questions. Is your faith in Jesus Christ genuine? Is it real? Have you genuinely bowed your heart in submission to God, confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Along those same lines, um, was your calling into ministry a true call from the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you a pastor because someone gave you the position and told you that you were great and could make money at it? Examine yourselves. Remember, listen, it is impossible for true believers in Christ to drift away from Christ, deny Christ, and be lost. However, if you have experienced all the blessings that come with being a part of the community of Christ, yet you continually deny the Lordship of Christ in your life, then the Holy Spirit at some point is going to redraw from trying to win you over in repentance up to Christ, and repentance becomes impossible. So that's the first question we're answering. The second question we're going to answer is this, was a person who fell away from their faith truly saved in the first place? Well, the short and direct answer is no, or perhaps if I stated it in a more positive way, um, a person who is truly saved, a, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, cannot and will not fall away from their faith in Christ for several reasons. Uh, the first reason being the words of Jesus himself, the reassuring words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 27 to 29, where Jesus clearly states and says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, not part-time life, eternal life, and they shall never perish. And I love this part. And no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. For my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch you out of your father in heaven's hand. 
The Apostle Paul states this same truth in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. He says there, he says, In him that's in Christ, uh, you also, when you heard the word of truth, that's the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. And then here's what he says. He says, And you were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Man, it doesn't get more solid than these two verses. Like when the scripture says that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit has placed on you a permanent stamp that will serve as a guarantee of your salvation when you get to the gates of heaven. It's as if the Holy Spirit has assigned to you a permanent secret pin number that when you get to heaven, the Holy Spirit will tell the Father that you're a part of his and your pin number will be given by the Holy Spirit. You're secure in Christ because you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of your inheritance. So what this passage once again is saying is that if Christ has saved you, you, you can't just walk away. Why? Because God guards you. God protects you. God seals you and holds you eternally secure. So then, when you see a person who was once a part of a church who now openly and blatantly denies Jesus Christ, their actions are actually indicating not that they fell away from the faith, but that they were never a part of Christ to begin with. That's why when you hear stories of people saying, well, they were once a Christian, they've converted to this, or they are doing this now, rather than saying, oh, they're not a Christian anymore, I would challenge you to ask, were they ever a follower of Christ? And that's the point that the author of Hebrews is trying to make in verse 7 and 8 when he talks about land that drinks in rain, that falls on it and produces crop. What he's saying is this. For those of you who are farmers or have ever done any farming, you know that uh, the point is that when, when you pour water on soil and, and after a while it starts to produce vegetation and, and fruit and trees, you know that the soil is good and that um, and has life and that there was a seed in the ground, right? The, the fruit and the tree is evidence that there was a seed. But when soil is watered over and over and produces nothing, it tells you two things. Number one, the soil is either not good or number two, there was never a seed there to begin with. That's the point that Hebrews is trying to make in verse seven and eight. If a person week after week comes to church, sits on their Bible teaching, worships God, nods their head when the pastor's preaching, dances to worship song, gives their tithes, lifts up the name of Jesus, but then turns around and denies the lordship of Christ over their life, their action is a frightening reality that tells us that they never knew Christ. In fact, it's to this group of people that Jesus Christ will someday speak these terrifying words in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, depart from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. That's why it is spiritually problematic when someone cannot tell us the story of their conversion or, 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 or they simply say, well, I've always believed, or I was a Christian from birth. 
that is the most ridiculous thing ever. First of all, no one has always believed and no one is born a Christian. Salvation is not something you're born into or something you inherit. You can come from a Christian family. You can be born into a Christian home, but at some point you will need to make a personal decision to stop trusting in everything else and everyone else and put your hope and faith in life solely in the hands of Jesus Christ as savior of your life and redeemer of your life. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ will remain in Jesus Christ. And listen, a Christian can very well have what I call the dark night of the soul. And in one of our future episodes, we'll talk about that. But a Christian may experience something known as the dark night of the soul, where you feel alone, you're facing maybe a, a, a crisis in your faith, uh, where you're alone, you're crying, you're struggling, you're complaining. Yeah, Christians can go through that. But a genuine believer in Christ will persevere through those and continue to hold on to Christ because why? It is impossible for true believers in Christ to drift away from Christ, deny Christ, and then be lost. And this brings us to our last question we're going to answer, and it's this. Uh, what does this all mean for us today? In every teaching, every podcast episode, we're not only going to give you theology, but we're going to give you something very practical to do with it. So uh, the implication of everything I've just taught us this, it, it means that you and I, no matter how high in ministry you are, we should honestly examine ourselves and our faith in who and in what have you put your trust in? Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So let me let me give you three practical ways to examine your faith. Three questions to honestly ask yourself and wrestle with. Number one question is this. Do you love Jesus Christ? So um, listen, I always say the you don't measure the genuineness of your faith through a past decision, but rather through a current affirmation of your faith. So when I say, do you love Jesus? I'm not saying, did you trust Christ? I'm asking presently, do you love Jesus Christ? I'm talking about the kind of holy affection that makes you want to live for him each day, right? Like, like even though you may do it imperfectly, right? Uh, you may very well have sin that you're struggling with, but man, you're, you're not comfortable there. Like when, when, so do you love Jesus Christ? Like when you read the Bible or you hear a sermon or you learn something new about God, is there a sense of gratitude for God's grace in your life that results in a stronger desire to want to live for Jesus? Do you love his word? Do you want to learn more about him? Can you say that your love for Jesus, that you love Jesus more today than when you first became a Christian? Like, do you love Jesus more today than when you started? Because the answer should be yes. If you are a follower of Christ, genuine follower of Christ, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Another way uh, uh, under this first question is, uh, um, another question to ask is, um, not only do you love Jesus, but are you sensitive to sin in your life? Now, let me clarify. I began to speak about this earlier, but let me clarify what I mean here. Um, all of us sin, even Christians, all of us sin. However, for genuine followers of Jesus Christ, the issue isn't whether you sin or not. The issue is that you are, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you are never comfortable living in a continual state of sin. 
It's as if you're wearing like a, a shirt that's scratching you or a wet shirt. It just, it's uncomfortable, right? That, that's what sin feels, should feel like for a Christian. You're, you want to take it off. You're never at ease in sin because you know that it's stealing away your affections for Jesus Christ. By the way, if, if you're continually engaging in sin and you have no conviction, no fear of the Lord, that may very well be an indication that you don't know Christ. So once again, examine your life. Are you are you wallowing, just, just hanging out and just relaxing in sin? Are you comfortable at, at home in sin, sort of the same way a pig is comfortable in mud? Or is there a constant tug, a pull on your heart from the Holy Spirit to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, then we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So three questions. Number one, do you love Jesus? Number two, are you sensitive to sin? And then the third question is this, do you look forward to the return of Jesus Christ? And I don't mean that as in, you know, like you're just hoping Jesus comes back and gets you away from here. No, I mean, do you look forward in anticipation for the day when Christ will heal the brokenness in this land, in this world? Do you look forward to when every knee will bow in worship before Jesus? Do you look forward to when you'll finally be able to see him face to face and thank him and worship him? Do you look forward to his return? so much so that it makes you want to live each day intentionally so that you are so that you're looking at every conversation and every opportunity as a way to engage him do you look forward to the return of christ that's an indication those three questions do you love christ are you sensitive to sin do you look forward to his return listen there are definitely more ways to examine if you're a follower of jesus christ but for this podcast i want you to think about those three questions this week and ask yourself how did you do please pray and think on these issues and as you do man our prayer once again is that as a pastor a shepherd in god's church that you would be greatly encouraged by the reality that you are eternally secure in christ we, we pray that as a result of this teaching that you would be able to encourage your congregation. It would shape your preaching so you would encourage your congregant not just to do good things, but to love the Lord and to worship the Lord and to enjoy the Lord. And so our prayer is that you are encouraged, strengthened, and equipped, and that your church experiences the blessing in the hand of God upon it. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ.